0: hello everyone my name is shane german the music director at wyce 88.1 fm in grand Rapids, Michigan. Today, we're thrilled to welcome into our virtual studio, Joff Adi of Wolf Alice. Expertly mixing a cinematic soundscape of influences from folk, vintage 60s girl groups, indie rock, trip-hop, electronics, shoegaze, dream pop, and punk, it's been a decade since London-based Wolf Alice began as a duo, later expanding to a four-piece. Since then, the band have released numerous EPs, two full-length albums, garnered a Grammy nomination, took home the 2018 Mercury prize for their sophomore album, Visions of a Life, and embarked on global tours that included support slots for Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, and Liam Gallagher. But creating a follow-up for Visions of a Life was a daunting task. The band decamped to an Airbnb in Somerset, and it was there where they reconfigured who they were together, far away from festival stages, tour buses, award shows, and fans. The result is Blue Weekend, a stunning new collection of songs that sees Wolf Alice refining their sound to an even sharper point, embracing a newfound boldness and vulnerability with equal measure. Blue Weekend will be released on June 4th. Please welcome to WYCE, Joff Audie of Wolf Alice.
1: Hello, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Congratulations on a stunning new record.
1: Thank you very much, thank you.
0: Uh, I got an advanced uh, copy of it over the weekend so I could prepare for this interview and it is just gorgeous. It really, from that opening song, it just takes you on a, a journey uh, all the way till the end. It is quite exquisite.
1: Well, well thank you so much. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's been a long time to get here so we're super excited for people to listen to it. I'm glad you, uh, you, you like it.
0: Talk to me about getting the album together during a global pandemic. Talk to me about kind of as a band, kind of isolating yourselves to kind of recharge, re-energize and, and the recording and the process of getting this album together.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, all of this stuff was written uh, well before the pandemic. We, um, so we finished touring visions of a life, our second album in uh, December, 2018, uh, we took some time off it took about three months or so because we were absolutely exhausted. you know we 'd been on the road for what seemed like forever, not really having a gap between the first and second records um and we were quite keen on you know taking our time and just kind of getting it right um so the rest of two thousand and nineteen was you know spent writing we went as you said, we went down to a place in Somerset to kind of kick off the writing process. And, when we came back to london we got a studio up in tottenham which is kind of north northeast london and um and we started working working you know from there really on the tunes and that you know we were in there for probably 10 months just writing just playing with stuff making demos throwing things away you know robbing bits off of other songs um and we didn't start recording until January, 2020. I went in the studio in Brussels, a studio called ICP with Marcus Drabs, who's a brilliant producer. He's worked with Arcade Fire and Bjork, uh, Coldplay, Mumford and Sons, lots of people. Um, and things were all going pretty well until, um, until coronavirus came. Um, which was odd, which yeah, it was, it was, it was a bizarre experience. Um, but you know, we had a chat with everyone with, you know, our family management, the label, the studio, we all kind of came to the um, conclusion that we were best off at that point in time, as we were already kind of isolating in the studio, kind of, as you do, it's a studio complex. We have our accommodation, you know, kitchenette, all that kind of stuff in there. So we just decided, look, let's just work. This is, we can go home, sit down and kind of, you know, maybe pick this up in six months time, something that we weren't willing to do. Um, And so we just kind of powered on. And that was a very odd experience. You kind of, you isolate as it is when you're making a record, you know, it's best to be focused and kind of not have too many outside distractions, but you kind of realize when you're fully locked down in a studio that some of those outside distractions are actually really necessary you know, not being able to go for a pint on a Friday night or just kind of go into a different space even, um, you know, but it made, it, it it gave us the opportunity to focus on the record more in in a kind of level of detail that I think we wouldn't have done had we were not in that situation. Um, and yeah, we came out, I think sometime in June. So it was a long old time. We were in there for quite a while. Yeah
0: and now how was working um uh, with, with marcus for this and he's a grammy award-winning producer how did that kind of shape the album with his kind of production ears
1: yeah he's got he's got a couple of them grammys mm. and he? <laughs> yeah um yeah he was fabulous working with marcus he's you know he's got a, a vast amount of experience working with a load of different artists that cover a lot of different ground, really. It's kind of one of the reasons we were really interested in working with him. And he works with a producer or was working with a producer at the time. I think they're working together. I'm not sure. Um, called Ian Berryman, who is just a fantastic talent, he's someone that's really uh, worth looking out for in that kind of world. Yeah, yeah, he's it's um he's he comes from it from a very kind of Bigger picture approach, which is okay, how do we make these songs communicate in the way mm-hmm. they should do? You know, what's the best way to do that? Um, without kind of extraneous things getting in the way, whether as we are rather fans of extraneous things <laughs> getting in the way, we like to throw ideas. Our process is very much, you know, getting to a studio and kind of lob until you know, something starts to stick and then you kind of can peel it back from there. So I think we found a nice middle ground between those kind of two extremes that kind of tempered both of them. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really cool process. And Marcus is one of the funnest, loveliest guys I think I've ever met. I'm a big fan of him.
0: Now you guys are, you're such a tight knit, um, unit, you know, um, and you can, I've read that you can kind of instinctively look at each other or use adjectives like colors or sounds to kind of, and know what you guys mean. Were you able to kind of use those types of adjectives with him? And he did he instantly get what you were trying to say?
1: <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't get what we were trying to say. I think initially he didn't. I think look, we've been working as a band for you know coming up to ten years. Well, me and Elliot have been working with each other for ten years. The guys about eight or eight and a bit years. And when you are that close with people, communication happens on, can happen on a different level. There's all kinds of kind of inside jokes, inside references, kind of tacit bits of communication, just kind of looks, nods, bits of body language that we pick up on that obviously other people that don't you know, know us so well, you know, that they wouldn't pick up on. Um, and that is especially the case when we're talking about music as well. And when we're in the process of it, so I think it took him a while, understandably, to kind of get where we were coming from, get how the dynamic is. Um, but yeah, we can be a nightmare to work with.
0: <laughs> You've said that these are some of the best songs that uh, Ellie has ever written. Can you expand on why you think that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to kind of hear what Ellie's been writing. Like I've said for over a ten-year. 10 year time span um and i yeah i I can only really say that you know hearing the demos for the first time you know some of the songs that she sent to me in the kind of really raw form i was you know absolutely blown away by what she was doing i think being really brave and kind of a little bit more upfront with these lyrics as well just yeah they I, a lot of them really hit me i remember listening to um the last man on earth walking through Hampstead heath uh, which is a big park in north london mm-hmm. and um just just being bowled over yeah
0: there's a certainly um a, v- a vulnerability and a confessional quality to a lot of the the lyrical content on this record um it starts off with a great slow build uh gorgeous like choral vocal layering on the beach uh, it just really that opening track just sets the tone and last man on earth of course is a gorgeous song uh i love safe from heartbreak uh it's like acoustic guitar there um with more vocal layering and then you've got a great song it's almost like riot girl uh, punk uh called play the greatest hits which you know which takes you into a whole new direction like each song is just very layered and textured and it makes you want to dive deeper into it and then when you hear ellie's lyrical content behind it she's getting she's kind of like peeling back layers of things that i you know that kind of that touch you you know uh makes you feel something Um, It's really just a stunning, stunning record. I do want to talk to you about the cover artwork, which I also think is gorgeous. Um, Who designed the uh, cover art for um, this album?
1: So there we are, sitting at the bus stop. So, okay, so where do I start with this? So because of the pandemic, because of the fact that we couldn't, you know go out and tour we had a lot longer to kind of think about you know what we wanted to do visually with the record um, so we came up with the idea that we were going to make 11 music videos a song for each video that kind of could be played in some kind of sequential order um, and we worked with a guy called Jordan Hemingway He was a fantastic young filmmaker um, and the idea is that we would create all the content for the rollout for the whole for the whole album based upon um the stills of the video mm-hmm. and photographs that we take kind of along the way kind of like band setups in you know in the different um you know in the different places of the music videos were taking place so um you know this is this is the bus stop from the video of uh, no hard feelings mm-hmm. um and it's, it's just one of many occasions where Jordan said, all right, stop filming guys. Go stand over there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a wick. It's, it's a really interesting photograph.
0: Yeah. I think it's gorgeous. And I, you know, I love, um, just as a music lover, you know, good, good art and then paired with the musical contents with it. Uh, it just encompasses the sound of the record. It's just absolutely stunning. I think it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous record. Now, one thing I want to talk to you about, which um, I want our listeners to know, because we, as a radio station, we play, our tagline is a world of music. So we play jazz, we play blues, we play folk, we play, you know, hip hop. We play all types of music here. Um, and you did a very interesting collection of like folk instrumentals on an album called To Mr. Fahey. Um mm-hmm which is kind of uh, kind of a tribute to the late guitarist John Fahey. Um, and it comprises of uh, guitar instrumentals from the likes of Nick Drake and Davy Graham. Uh, and you do a really fantastic version of Estapol by Elizabeth Cotton. Talk to me about your love of Elizabeth Cotton and uh, doing this acoustic record.
1: Yeah, so the acoustic record is an idea that I was kind of playing with for a long time um and it came out as a fundraiser for the trussell trust the trussell trust are a kind of umbrella company almost like a franchise who um helps set up and maintain food banks across the uk um i think this i mean this style of guitar playing is really where i started and it's kind of my main it's kind of my main passion my kind of main go-to as a guitar player i think a lot of this stuff with wolf is very expressive and can be kind of a little bit more experimental but when i you know have an acoustic guitar in front of me it feels more so like playing the piano or something like that and especially in the style that these guys play and that i kind of enjoyed playing you can accompany yourself and it's something that you know someone like elizabeth cotton does really well you know she's got those kind of rolling bass notes that kind of continue ongoing, and then she's you know picking out melody lines and it's it's just always something that's just spoken to me. And I don't quite know why. It's bizarre, isn't it? Some, some things just kind of strike a chord with you. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the pun. Um, I think it's maybe the simplicity and the honesty of that kind of music. And I love the tradition of taking something, changing it slightly, and passing it on. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, Elizabeth Cotton's just an incredible guitar player. And just has such an incredible story, you know, as I think she was, I believe she was a maid to the Seeger family as, as far as I understand it. Mm-hmm. And there she kind of picked up a guitar when everyone was out of the house and um, learned it the wrong way around.
0: Mm-hmm. Played it upside like, down it, because she was left-handed. Yeah. Right.
1: Jimi Hem- Jimmy Hendrix did that, but then he still strung the guitar the other way, if you know what I mean. So we have those notes up at the top. But she kept it in the other tuning so when she was playing the guitar which is kind of weird she would be playing the bass notes with her little finger and picking out the melody with her thumb Um, yeah it's just something just so sweet and honest about that yeah music just takes me to somewhere
0: and that's what i love about you and um, and you as a band and you as a musician too You, you have so it's a cohesive um, cornucopia, basically, of just uh, all of these musical influences, but it's you very uniquely Wolf Alice. Uh, and then when you kind of dive into what you're doing, just as a solo guitar player, and then, you know, to the, you know, to Mr. Fahey record, uh, and then just stripping it real down to just acoustic, just the basic roots, you know, the foundation of acoustic guitar. It's just gorgeous. I uh, highly recommend checking out the solo acoustic record too, um, which goes, uh which helps out the anti-poverty charity, uh, Trussell Trust. It's a really fantastic uh, acoustic record that I highly recommend. Well, uh, what is next for you guys? I'm sure you've got festivals uh, already booked, a sold-out tour in the UK. Do you have any plans to visit the US?
1: We do have plans. We do have plans to be coming to the US. Um, It all depends on factors that are kind of out of our control at the minute, but as soon as we know, you you guys will know. Yeah. Well, we to come over. It's yeah. been so long time.
0: Yeah. Well, we certainly are, are looking forward to having you in the U.S. We're looking forward to the brand new album. Blue Weekend is out June fourth. It's out internationally, uh, and uh, from what I've heard uh, already, I cannot wait for others to hear it as well. Joff, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
2: I ain't a player